0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're going to finish up Matthew chapter 6 today. We're finally getting out of Matthew chapter 6. I don't know how long we'll be in 7, but... uh, Seems like we've been in 6 forever, huh? So Matthew chapter 6... 25 through 34. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knows that you need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. So as I speak and share this word this morning, Lord Jesus, hide me behind your cross so that nothing will be seen but Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, minister to us as only you can. We commit this service into your hands. May our hearts and minds be open. If there's any here today that do not know you, may this be the day that they come to know you. We just commit all this into your hands. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Do not worry about your life. We should not get tangled up worrying about the things of the world. Because our life is more than those things. And yet, how easy it is to do that, isn't it? And we have so much going on, in work, and family, and all the things that we do. And we... If we're not careful, we'll let those things crowd out the things that God would have us to be doing. What will you eat and what will you drink? And what will you put on? Isn't this the thing that everybody deals with every day, isn't it? Hmm? Many of you are trying to be figuring out, well, we're kind of early in this service, but many of you figuring out where you're going to go for lunch real soon. Huh? After church is over, where are we going to go? And we spend time figuring out what we're going to wear and all those things. But these three inquiries across the whole attention of those things who are living without God is in the world. This is all worldly things. God tells us not to do that. Not to be like that. And as I was putting this together, I was thinking about all that's going on today, especially talk about do not worry, and yet we look around, we watch and see what's happening in America today, and it's enough to make anybody worry, isn't it? And so I thought of this scripture, 1 John 2.16. It says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now those three things that John's pointing out in that gospel, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is all what you see back in the garden when Adam and Eve and when Eve fell. Those things were there. And you find that in Genesis 3, 6. And I I took pieces of this and injected it into Genesis 3, 6. And it says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. And there's more to say, but we'll stop there. Those very things that John is pointing out, that's very—it's prevalent in, in all of our cards, and still is even today. That's original sin right there. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Original sin, and brought to the fall of Adam and Eve. And as I was looking at that, and thinking about all that's going on today, and how tragic so many things are, and how fast our culture is working overtime to take America away from the things that made her great. You know, we have holidays all year long that we all celebrate. You have Thanksgiving. We have a day we celebrate what we're thankful for. Christmas, the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. New Year's. Easter. We've had Mother's Day, we just recently had Father's Day, and all these days to set aside Veterans' Day. And we'll soon be going to be doing Fourth of July. You say, Pastor where are you going with all this? But in the light of all these days that we have set aside, the most prominent days that we have in this culture is the month of June. Gay pride. They don't get one day. They get a whole month. Could you think that it would be a better thing to pick out to do and to support, and to look forward to, and to uplift than gay pride, but that's what we're doing. Recently, our president, not picking on on him, but just pointing out the facts, put on a gay pride celebration at the White House. And from the Truman Balcony facing the South Lawn, he had uh, red, white, and blue on both sides. And in the middle of the two American flags was the gay pride flag flying at the White House. And had a day where they invited all these people to come up to celebrate this marvelous month. Now, I'm not going to get the genders right, the he, hey, they, and all this stuff that they do, but I'm just going to tell it like it really is, OK? There was one man there dressed as a woman but had breast augmentation to really look like a woman. And he's at this celebration, and I'm saying he, not she, takes down the top of her dress because the breast augmentation was showing things off, and everybody's getting all upset. Oh, what's he doing that for? Or what she's doing that for is what they were saying. It wasn't really a she, it was a he. And I thought to myself, you're promoting deviant behavior. What do you think is gonna happen when you put on something like that? And yet, I find amazing, for the most part, on all of this stuff, God's people is silent. And yet, I got a couple stories I want to share along those lines. And I don't have all the details right, but I got the story part right, okay? But I can't tell you the state, the school, and all that stuff anymore. I, I don't remember that, but I remember the story. And it was about a father that had went to a school board meeting because he found out that his daughter was sexually molested by a, man, a young man that was dressed up like a woman and was in her locker room, and he raped her. And the school found out about it, but before the school board meeting, they wanted to get this things taken care of. They transferred that young man to another school, and the school board had the audacity to face that father and say, we looked into this, and there's no one in this school that did anything like that. No, because they transferred him away. They didn't tell the truth. They acted like she was lying. And he got upset over this. Some of you may know this story. You've probably seen it. And he got upset over this, and he gets arrested. How backwards do we have things today, church? In another in another school board meeting in another state, in another city, a young mother shows up with a book that she found her 10-year-old reading. And she began to stand there and opened up that book and began to read from the book, and they stopped her. They had people come up and take the mic, they stopped her. They said, You can't read this here in this public place. And the news was there recording this, and they're bleeping out every other word because of what she's reading. So you can't say it in a public place. You bleep it out for the 6 o'clock news, but it's okay for your 10-year-old to be reading this stuff. Something's really wrong. And we say anything against it, or against it, oh, we are book banning. No, we're pornography banning. Oh, that we'd stand up and tell the truth. And we need to do it in love. We can't do it in anger. The battle isn't with these people that are broken. The battle is with the demonic forces behind all these things. And it is demonic. Some people look, whoa, this is coming on fast. Yes, it is. The devil knows he has short time. But our fight isn't with the broken people. Our fight is with the the principalities of darkness that are behind those things. May we intercede on their behalf and show them the love of Jesus. Do not worry. It's hard to say that, isn't it? When there's so much that's going on. But the battle is not ours, church. The battle belongs to the Lord. And he's telling, this is Jesus telling us, do not worry. And I know it's easy to do. And there's times that we just need to shut off our TVs and pray. But never should we be wringing our hands and saying, oh, Lord, just come back, hurry, and take us out of this awful place. We're still here for purpose. We're here today. He's coming back when he's coming back. And we're still here. And the reason we're still here is because there's people that need to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And I truly believe there's coming a day out there that some young man or some young woman or some person is going to accept Jesus Christ. And that's the last child coming home. And it's all over but the shouting then. But there's a difference between a godly sense of responsibility and an ungodly, untrusting Worry. However, an ungodly, untrusting sense of worry usually masquerades as responsibility. Well, no, I worry about thinking about you because I'm being responsible, not if you're worrying you're not. We need to trust in the Lord, He's in control. I remember a verse in the scripture talking about the Apostle Paul, that God was going to use him and do great things, and he said, Don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to have you go before kings. And don't worry about trying to figure out what you're going to say. Because on the day that you go before kings, I will put my words in your mouth. And he'll do the same thing today, church, if you let him. If you'll just let him. Lord, you give me the words. You show me how to speak up. You show me what to do in the light of all this. But silence is not an option. Because silence is going to bring the destruction of what, where we live and what we hold dear. How quick it'll come. Spurgeon said this in a quote, and I really like this. It says, You cannot say that Jesus Christ ever troubled his head about what he should eat or what he should drink. His meat and his drink consisted in doing the Father's will. Spurgeon. Think about that one. That's, that's very good. We are to be concerned with the right things, the ultimate issues of life, and then we leave the management and the worry over material things with our heavenly Father. You see, if we're not careful and we've been blessed, even the poorest of the poor in this country is rich in the world standards, you know that? Why do you think so many people want to come here? I know there's people talk about how awful America is and all the sins she's done and all the bad things she's done. Well, there's something going on right because they're sure start they still coming by the thousands. We need to let, not let those things that we possess or we hold or where we live and all the things that we do, because we're not careful. The possessions we own will end up owning us if we let them. Is not life more than food? Next slide, please. Is not life more than food? The worry Jesus spoke of debases man to the level, if it's just thinking about those basic things, that's what animals do. Who is merely concerned with physical needs? Your life is much more. Not only is he concerned about those things, but we have eternal matters to pursue. We've been put here for a reason. For far more than just food, clothing, eating, and drinking. You're far more than that. That's what the animals look forward to. We're far more than that. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus said. Your heavenly Father feeds them. God provides for the birds, and he takes care of them. Therefore, we should expect God should take care of us. Next slide. I want to add this to it before I comment on it. Yeah, take note. The birds don't worry, but they do work. Have you ever watched birds? They work. They're not just sitting there waiting for a handout. Too many in this country don't want to work anymore. They don't want to do anything anymore. They just take care of me, me, me. It's all about being taken, me being taken care of. That's not how it works. God said he takes care of the birds, but the birds worked. And they found what God had provided for them. There's a great message there. Birds don't just sit open with their mouth open. Well, they do when they're young. Have you seen the little baby birds? Mama going around doing that for them. But there comes a the day when mom and bird's had enough and the timing is right. And she says, we're not doing this anymore. And today you're going to learn to fly. And she pushes them out of the mat. Uh-huh. Expecting God to fill them. That's how people do. We're just saying, give me, give me, give me. That's not how it works. He wants us to do. God is so sovereign, though, over the universe, and that's what Jesus is saying, all that he's created and all that he's over, and if you look at it, it's immense. The universe and all that's out there, it's glory and it's magnificence, and yet he worries that he takes care of those birds. They're very small creatures God takes care of. That's how sovereign he is over the universe, that even the feeding of birds are within his concerns. Are you not more valuable than they? The worry many people have over material things is rooted in a low understanding of their value before God. God does care. We are more valuable than they. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? Now, that's not a word we use very much. Back in that time period, and of course it wasn't exact because everyone has long, you know, my arms are pretty long. I remember I was in Nepal, was preaching, I was preaching over in Nepal, and had the, was sharing about talking about Christ, and of course I used my hands a lot, talking about Christ on the cross, and I went like this, and everybody started laughing. I thought, that's a serious subject. So afterwards, I said, ah, Pastor Ashok, why, why did they start chuckling when I put your arms out? Oh, no, they weren't chuckling about what you were saying. What you were saying is right. What they were saying is, look at his arm spans. That's, more, that's wider than we are tall. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were chuckling over. But a cubit is measured from your elbow to the top of your hand. This is a cubit. Again, it's going to not be exact, but that's how they did it back in that time here. About 18 inches. We wouldn't use that terminology saying, worry cannot make us grow not one inch. That's how we'd say it today. (coughs) Worry accomplishes nothing. We can add nothing to our lives by worrying. There may be greater sins than worry, but there's none more self-defeating and useless than worrying. I'm going to take a part of what we already talked about. Can I add? The ancient Greek may mean adding to life instead of adding to height, but the thought's the same. Instead of adding to our life, we can actually harm ourselves through worry. Stress is one of the great contributors to disease and poor health. And we have it all around us today. How many people are on anti-anxiety medicines and all the things, how, because why? We worry way too much. And it can't do anything. Not, cannot add not one inch to our height. If God so clothed the, the grass of the field, God even takes care of the grass of the field, so he's certainly going to take care of you. 1 Peter 5.7 says this, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And it's the idea that when they're casting us to throw. Taking all these cares, your worries, all this. It's the idea, though, in that that word of someone picking up something very heavy is almost beyond what it means, and they're trying to throw it up onto the camel to have the camel carry it. It's that idea. He's telling us, take all of our cares, all of our worries, cast upon him. I remember a time when I was a young Christian, and In the church that I attended. And pastor said, if you are worrying, you got birds, things that are bothering you, things cast them upon the Lord, give them to him. He encouraged us to come and put them all here down at the altar and we all came and prayed. But most of us, when they said amen, picked it back up and carried it with us. And we missed the point. Cast all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Care. That word is Merimau from Marrow to divide, noose, the mind. Divide the mind is what it's saying. The word denotes distraction, anxieties, burdens, and worries. That's what it's talking about. Philippians 4:6 says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That whole idea about supplication, prayer and supplication, prayer and earnesty, You can use that word, humility, pleading, can even say begging, can be even used as that. And verse 7 says, in the peace of God, what surpasses all understanding, there's a promise in this, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, if we do that. That's powerful, isn't it? Very, very powerful. Get my notes going here. Therefore, I remember in Bible college one of the things they taught us: when you hit the word "therefore," well, we've already kind of covered. But when you hit the word "therefore," you have to read what's before and find out what it's there for. Uh-huh. We kind of already did that, didn't we? So, therefore, do not worry. We're invited to know a freedom from the worry and anxiety that comes from undue concern about material things. And we do that. Lord, help us. That we do not do that. And then he goes on to say, For after all these three things the Gentiles seek. Now, remember, they're they're on, they're on the... The Mount there, they're they're, there hearing these things. These are all Jewish people for the most part that are there. And Jesus puts the contrast to the ungodly, to the Gentile, to those that do not know God. And said, this is what all the Gentiles, we would say today, this is what the world seeks after. This is what they're running after. Jesus contrasted the life of those who do not know God and are separated from him with those who do know God and receive his loving care. Those who know God shouldn't seek after other things. Why? Because we have him. He's first and foremost in our lives. But seek first the kingdom of God. And I would say, and his righteousness you say you oh, you're making something else for me to add to my list i got enough things to do already and you want to add something else to my list well so jesus is saying and this needs to be first on your list seek first the kingdom of god this must be the rule of our life when ordering our priorities Yet it is wrong to think that this is just another priority to fit onto our list of priorities. And this is one to be put on top of our list. This is number one. To add on everything else, we're going to add something else. But it's not something to take away. It's not something to do as we seek first the kingdom of God. That should infiltrate everything that we do. When you go to work, seek first the kingdom of God. Young people, when you go to school, seek first the kingdom of God. Whether you're at play or at home, wherever you are, if you go on vacation, seek first the kingdom of God. See, we need to do that. If we put that first above everything else, seek first the kingdom of God. It puts everything in proper perspective. We should also remember The statement, in its immediate context, Jesus reminds us that our physical well-being is not a worthy object to devote our lives to. Taking care of me. It's about me. I need some new clothes. I need this. This is all about me. If we make it about us, it's very wrong. Uh, There's a song that we used to sing as kids and it was—I don't remember the song, but I remember this line of the song. It talks about joy, 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 Jesus, others, and you. Huh? That's the point he's making. It, Jesus, others, and you. We should. Also remember, this statement is immediate. Because thank you. If you think it's worthy that your God is mammon, money. If that's what you're pursuing, money, mammon. Pastor Greg preached on that a few few weeks ago, and so many people seek after that, or money, 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 what I can get, that they're missing out in life. I remember my boss. He was a great man, he was not a godly man, he was an unbeliever. I found it amazing, he had so many Christians that worked for him, and I said, Bob, why do you have so many Christians work for you, and yet you don't believe at all? He said, well, I learned one thing, if they're they're really Christians, they won't steal from me. Yeah, so, he learned something, I guess. But he was a man that, he was a brilliant mind. The company they worked for was, and I was pastoring at the same time, My church was small and could not support me, so I had to have a a job. So I was what I called a working pastor. We have a fancy word for it now. You're bivocational. (laughs) Yeah, you're really working. (laughs) And I worked for a company by the name of Gilbert Engineering. And the story behind Gilbert was you spelled Gilbert. My last boss's last name was Spann. So we said, well, you spell spell Gilbert S-P-A-N-N. He was a brilliant man, and he did a lot of good things, but it was all about money. And he had more money than he could ever spend. And yet he, his focus and drive was all about more, more, more. And I remember his wife, and I didn't know her that well. She would come in and out of the office every once in a while. Her name was Marsha. But I remember a story that began circulating about Marcia because one of the fan's daughters worked in the accounting department. So you they, they heard a lot of stuff that was going on within the family through the daughter. And they had went to the beach and Marcia was saying, you need to take a vacation, you need to put that stuff down, you need to quit working, spend some time with your family. So he said, okay, he'd do it. So they went to California, spending a week at the beach. The kids were there and they're playing in the water. Marcia went somewhere for a minute and I don't know what how he did it or why he did it, but all of a sudden from somewhere he brings out a pile of papers and begins to work. And Marcia gets back and sees him and said, I knew you couldn't do it. And she left him. And he lost his family because of money. That's sad, isn't it? Men had so much but at the same time lost everything because of where his focus was. Jesus didn't just tell them to stop worrying. In the worries section, he told them to replace worry with a a concern for the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Stop worrying and seek first the kingdom of God. That's good advice for us. Let everything that we do be about the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. So... Next slide, please. What the verse demands is this. Therefore, a commitment to find and do the will of God. That's the most important. To allow, uh, ally oneself totally with his purpose. This commitment must come first. And all these things shall be added to you. You do that, the things that you th- need. Remember, you're going to get your, what you need, not what you want, first of all. Sometimes we get that out of whack. God's going to supply. If we put him first, we do those things first, he is going to take care of us. All these things. Put first the kingdom of God. Do not think that your physical well-being is a worthy object to live your life for. And you will then may enjoy all these things. We can get it right. That's, that's a good thing. This choice to seek first the kingdom of God is the fundamental choice everyone makes when they first repent. And are converted. I mean, it becomes first and foremost. I remember when I came to faith, I was 17 years old, when I came to faith, I went to church because my, she wasn't my mother-in-law yet, but she was going to be (laughs) one day, said if you don't go to church with us on Sunday, you can't come over to the house next Saturday night. So my motivation was Linda. And so I would go. But God had a different plan. And on a Sunday service, the pastor quoted, he preached 2 Corinthians 5.21. And in that message, as he was preaching, the light bulb went off. The next thing I knew, I let go of her hand, and I was down on my knees in front of that little church in Huntington Park, California. It's a pretty tough neighborhood now. <laughs> and I came to Christ. Of course, my theology was all messed up, Rod. I had no idea, but I was going around telling everybody, I found the Lord. First of all, he was never lost. huh? He found me. But the sky seemed bluer, the grass seemed greener. Life just took on a whole different view. And so the whole point of this is the fundamental choice everyone makes when they first repent and converted. Yet every day after that, our Christian life will either reinforce that decision or deny it, depending on how we live. Never forget that day when your life was transformed by the power of God. And it will change the way you think and the way that you live. Matthew 6.34, the last verse of the text. I wanted to quote the whole thing one more time and kind of break it down. And then we'll close. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Now remember, first of all, he told us, do not worry. Do not be anxious for nothing. But I know there's some worry warts here in the church. Some of you are worry warts. You know who you are. And Jesus is letting you off the hook on this verse. He tells us not to worry. Don't do this. Don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. But listen to what he's telling you here. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. He's allowing you to worry about today. You worry warts should be happy about that one. He tells us not to worry. We really shouldn't do it, but he's giving you an out here. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do not worry about tomorrow. If you must worry, worry only for the things of today. Most of our worry is over things we have absolutely no control of anyway. You know that? And yet we worry. We spend too much, we worry about the past, we worry about the future, we worry about so many things that we forget to live for today sometimes. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus reminds us of the importance of living for the present day. Yet, it is easy to become too focused on either the past or the future and to let, and to let the day and its own troubles to be ignored. That's not a good way to live. God wants us to remember the past, plan for the future, but he wants you to live for the present. And if you're here today and you do not G- know Jesus Christ, this is why scripture says this that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Why is that? Cuz we none of us have a guarantee of tomorrow. And if you're here today and you do not know him, what it be what a tragedy to leave and and your life could end to be so close and yet so far. Today is the day. Now the accepted time and we as christians that know the lord may we live like that and be up and about the master's business thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today we pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of jesus to those around you you can stay informed and connected by following discovery point church on all social media platforms thank you and god bless you